Good morning. This morning, we are talking about the trusting story in our series of the Christmas stories. So, when you hear the story of Christmas, what do you think of? Do you think of a peaceful manger? Do you think of the virgin birth? Or do you think of Santa, who's the father of Jesus? I recently heard that one and I was disturbed. What do you think of when you just hear the word Christmas? Do you think of shopping and to-do lists and sales? Or do you think of a small town girl who moves to the big city to pursue her career only to come home at Christmas and fall in love with her small town crush by December 24th, all while saving a small town's economy? If that's what you think of, I think it's time to turn off the Hallmark Channel even just for a little bit. We're bombarded by images of Christmas all around us, from our Coke commercials, our Coke bottles, and TV, and TV ads, and shopping centers, and lawns. It's Christmas everywhere. One of my favorite things to do this time of the year is to drive around and look at Christmas decorations. I love the well-done ones, but I really, really love the poorly done ones. I love the bad ones. My neighbors have one of the best bad Christmas lawns I've seen in forever. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's so bad, I almost posted it on Facebook and Instagram, and I thought, you know what, that's mean. I'm not going to do that, but what I am going to do is describe it to you this morning. It's a nice traditional manger with Mary and Joseph and Jesus, but right behind it are two huge lit deer. I knew that Joseph and Mary had it rough, but I didn't know that they were um, battling dinosaur-sized lit reindeer while they were trying to find a place to have Jesus. So with that in mind, with all of that, let's jump into the only place that has 100% truth of the Christmas story, and that's the word. Would you please open up or turn on your Bibles with me to Luke 1? Today we're going to focus on Mary her strength, her courage, faith, and her trust in God. Luke 1, in Luke 1, we get a glimpse of what's happening to Mary. We get a glimpse of what's happening in her life. Her head, what's happening in her head and her heart. She goes to visit family, particularly Elizabeth, after finding out that she is with child. And this is how she reacts. Let's dive into Luke 1, 46 through 56 together, keeping in mind that this young woman just found out that she is carrying the Son of God all while being engaged. Luke 1, 46 tells us, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all, on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel 
remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants everywhere, just as he promised our ancestors. And after that, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's let how she responded sit with us for a moment. Let's focus on the call she had on her life and how she handled it and hopefully learn from her. I love thinking about Mary. She's complex. Here she is, a young woman who's engaged to be married, her life ahead of her, her whole life ahead of her, being used by God in an extraordinary and unprecedented way. Her words are clear. When she gets a life-altering call, she isn't angry. She isn't fearful. She is thankful and trusting of our God. She looks back at all he's promised for her, to her, and the promises that he's fulfilled, and she gets it. I love that. To get a full picture of what's happening with Mary and her family and her world, let's rewind in Luke, and let's start at the beginning together, keeping in mind that the words that she said, the ones that we just read, See, it's important to, for us to get the full picture of what's happening in her family that time and what's happening all around her. So let's do that with her graceful words in mind. Mary goes to be with her relative Elizabeth. And when she says the beautiful words that we read, she's there with Elizabeth. Elizabeth was an older woman who had no children. She and her husband, a priest named Zachariah, were devastated and shamed, shamed by not having children. So let's read Luke 1, starting with verse 5, about their story. It says, in the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zachariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of burning the incense came and all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, 
to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I want to give you a spoiler alert. The John that they're talking about right there is John the Baptist. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. That's the polite way of him calling her old. He said, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When this time of service was completed, he returned home. After he, this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Let's pause here. Elizabeth uses the word disgrace. That's a big word. That's a big term, disgrace. In their culture, not having children, being barren, was a disgrace. It was thought that they did something bad or that God was punishing them. So here is Elizabeth feeling disgraced, disgraceful, and then being given a child through divine intervention. And here is her relative, Mary, carrying the Son of God, unwed, a virgin, which was also seen as a disgrace. Awesome, divine, world-changing children born. So let's keep going in Luke. Luke 1.26 says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, who's a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who has said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. 
I want to read that over and over again. I think it's a great reminder any time of the week, for no word from God will ever fail. Let's go on to verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. How amazing is that? The word doesn't say Mary was asked to do this major thing, something this major, life-altering, and she said no. It doesn't say that Mary was asked to give birth to Jesus, and then she flipped out. It says that she was given a call, instructions for her life, and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me be fulfilled. Let's keep going to verse 39. Here, Mary visits Elizabeth. Verse 9 tells us, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of her greeting reached my ear, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Amen. God gave instruction. He did what he said he would do. And it the way that only God does, he reinforced what was happening through another miracle. Put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second. Let's be honest with ourselves. How would you feel if God asked you to be part of something this monumental? How would you respond? God hasn't called any of us here to be part of the physical birth of Jesus, but he has called and will call each of us to do something great in his name. What are you being called to do right now? What are we as a congregation being called to do? Please take a moment to think of what God is calling you to do in his name. If nothing comes to your mind right away, that's okay. I encourage you to spend time in prayer this week and through this season about it. Many reacted in, Mary reacted in this way because she had faith and because she had scripture telling her that this would happen. Isaiah 11.1 1 says that the royal line of David is like a tree that has been cut down. But just as new branches sprout from the stump, so a new king will arise from among David's descendants. And that's Isaiah 11.1. 1. Mary knew that she came from that line. Along with Isaiah, Jeremiah 23.5 tells us that the Lord says, A time is coming when I will choose a king as a righteous descendant of David. That king will rule wisely and do what is right and just throughout the land. And that's Jeremiah 23.5. Mary knew scripture and she had faith. She answered the call to do something great, and our world has forever been changed by that. And just like Mary, 
we're called to great things. And just like Mary, we can have our faith to propel us to great deeds in the name of God. And just like Mary, we have scripture to guide us. Romans 12:1 tells us, Therefore I urge you, brother, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what does that mean? It means that like Mary, that just like Mary, we are to live our lives in worship of God, answering the calls that he gives us. Galatians 5.13 reinforces that, where it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Maybe you're being called to reach out to a neighbor in need or to a family member that others have written off. Maybe you're being called to get more involved in ministry here or through an organization that cares for those in need. Maybe you're being called to the mission field, and that's big. Or maybe it's something that seems smaller, like giving in a new way. Regardless, we are all, all of us, called to be part of God's awesome plan. Pastor and author Rick Warren says, if you're alive, there is a purpose for your life. And that's true. It was true of Mary, and it's true of each of us. This season is extraordinary because our God loved us enough to plan for our eternity. He loves us enough to have a virgin give birth to our Savior so that we may be saved. It's big. Let's remember that as we rush around the next few weeks. When asked to do something little or epic for Christ, remember Mary's song. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. God knows your heart. He knows your abilities. God is the one who gave them to you. So this Christmas, let our, let's have our stories be ones of trust and service to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing example of trust and of faith that is Mary. We thank you that you were born of a virgin, that you came here just for us. Father, we thank you for this time with our families this time of the year. We thank you that there's a lot of joy around us. And we pray that you would use us in that joy. We pray that you would use us in times that are less joyful, times of hurt, times of trouble. Father, use us in our workplaces this week. Show us what we're called to do there. Use us in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our community. Father, we know that you have a special call on each of our lives that was very evident with Mary. And we pray that you would reveal that call to each and every one of us. Continue to speak to us. Use the abilities that you've given us to glorify your kingdom. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the true Christmas stories. And in your name we pray, amen.